Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. In the birding world for me, there are three times a year that stand out as kind of special. Spring migration is my favorite. The birds we share with our southern neighbors, probably their birds that we get to see during the visit here to breed, and to see as they race through on their way to the breeding grounds is hard to beat. The days are getting longer here in the northern hemisphere, the birding is great, and spring is upon us. The question always for me is, where do I want to be in May? Where do I want to be for this spring's migration? The other two special times of the year, though, are either on us or rapidly approaching. The new calendar year is always fun, and New Year's is not far away, especially for year listers, seeing what species will be first, the first bird of the year, seeing my first bald eagle or my first song sparrow. They're all first for the year, and as a lister, my first Pierce County whatever, spotted towhee, is kind of more fun than maybe the last spotted towhee of the year before. It's fun to build a list for the county, the state, wherever else you happen to keep a list going. The third season that's cool, though, is a Christmas bird count season. I won't go into the origins of the CBC here. This has been discussed many times and in many places. I really feel good, though, about helping out with the local CBCs. Taken in total in 2022, which was the 123rd year of recorded Christmas bird counts, there were 2,625 count circles, almost 2,000, 1,998 in the U.S., 476 in Canada, and 151 scattered through Latin America, the Caribbean, and the Pacific Islands. There were 79,005 total observers, and 89 Christmas bird counts had more than 100 observers in their circle. The Edmonton, Alberta circle ranked number one in terms of total observers, with 426 people helping out. Thanks to an amazing 239 feeder watchers, that's a lot of feeders for one circle, Hilton Head, South Carolina, had the largest number of field observers with 280. The count circle with the greatest number of species was Mindo Tendayapa, Pinchincha, Ecuador, I'm sure I butchered that, with 354 species, followed by La Selva, Lower Braulio, Carrillo National Park, Costa Rica, with 349. That's a count I hope to do sometime. It's pretty close to where my daughter lives in Costa Rica. Costa Rica also had the number three and number four spots with Monteverde and Cotabrus Puntarinas uh, with 338 and 296 species. So Latin America rules uh, in terms of most species seen in a count circle. For counts north of the Mexico border, Texas and California dominate. The top 10 counts for the largest species count the Mantagorda County, Mad Island Marsh, Texas count was first with 218 species, San Diego, California, second at 213, and you get down to a tie for 17th with McClellanville, South Carolina, as a non-Texas or California state uh, with 181 species. It doesn't matter how many species you find, everyone participating in a CBC adds to the remarkable database that bird counts maintain. By looking at trends over time, this census is a terrific tool for conservation. It's also a great time to get together with friends, working together for a shared cause. CBCs can be a way to introduce potential birders to the hobby. It can be a way to meet birders in an area you're visiting on vacation or travel. Whatever your reason for helping out with a bird count may be, just do it. Have fun. Help with this long-standing citizen science project we can all be proud of. I plan to do three CBCs this year. My home area 
visit the Homa Audubon Christmas Bird Count Circle here in Pierce County, Washington. This year, I counted in an area new to me. When Marcus Roenig, who usually leads the area, planned to be out of the country birding, Wayne Sladek took on the area, and I agreed to help him out. I'll try to record my episode wrap-up after this count, and I'll give you a recap of the day. The other two counts I'm doing are yet to happen. I go each year with Ken Brown in a part of Vashon Island bird count that's actually not on the island at all, but is in nearby Kitsap County. We always have fun, usually trying to get up early to try for some owls and cover some familiar areas. This year that counts on New Year's Eve, kind of a bummer, uh, but I'm going to team it up with a with another count, the Grays Harbor count, on January 1st. It'll get my 2024 list off to a running start, helping out another friend, Bruce Labar, with an area of the Grays Harbor bird count. It's great to get to the coast early in the year, hoping to find a lot of first-of-the-year species, rock-loving shorebirds like black turnstone, surfbird, rock sandpiper, usually found, and depending on the weather, can be just terrific birding. We've had shorted owl, red phalarope, palm warbler, snow bunting, all sorts of really hot shit birds on that count. It can be really, really good. This makes for a less than traditional New Year's Eve and New Year's Day for this year, but I hope to be home in time to watch the University of Washington Huskies play Texas and advance to the NCAA final championship game. So we'll see. It'll be a good day no matter what. If you have a Christmas bird count story to tell, please leave it in the podcast comments on your favorite listening platform or on the birdbanner.com post associated with this episode in the comments section. I'd love to hear what you were doing for the bird count this year. Switching gears, my guest on this episode is from Italy. Italy is a place that most of the people I know who like to travel have either been to or want to get to. That said, I've never really thought of Italy as a birding destination. I've only visited Italy once, over a decade ago, when Kay and I were really surprised at how many, how few birds we saw. Well, I learned while talking with my guest on this episode, Marco Valtriani, that the fall, early fall, is a tough time to find birds in the usual areas tourists visit. The towns and the, and the fields are kind of devoid of birds, as most of them have left for their wintering grounds, and there aren't a lot of winter visitors yet. After talking with Marco, I suspect I had, had I visited another part of the year and known where to look, I'd had a lot better success. Marco's a longtime Italian birder and now leads a group of Italian bird guides on a website called birdingitaly.com. I suspect some of you may visit Italy in the coming years, and if you do, you may want to contact Marco to arrange for he or one of his partners to serve as a bird guide or to add another dimension to a really great trip. Help me welcome Marco Valtriani to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 167. Marco, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for doing this with me. It's a pleasure for me. Yes, Italy, a place that uh, everyone seems to want to visit. It's a, it's a, you know, with all of the culture and the art and the food and the nice weather in the winter here, great place for uh, for people from the U.S. to visit, but not a place I think of birding so much. Tell me what's so great about birding in Italy, or why should somebody who's visiting Italy get a hold of you to go birding? Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Italy is uh, worldwide uh, more famous for uh, other aspects other than uh, birds and building, like uh, wine, food, uh, and uh, historical sites, uh, you know, monuments, uh, archaeology, arts, uh, and and so on. But uh, in Italy, Italy is uh, in the European Union uh, probably the richest country 
in terms of biodiversity. Wow. And uh, yeah, this um, depends from many aspects and uh, which we can be proud of. <laughs> One is that uh, more than 20% of the country is protected. Thanks to natural parks, uh, regional uh, national parks, natural reserves, what you call um, refuge. Mm -hmm. See, right. And yeah, and uh, and then because uh, uh, the landscape uh, in Italy is very various and uh, extremely com extremely complex, uh, so um, the more is the landscape is complex, the more the habitats, no. Right. Uh, in general, this, the habitat system is complex. Sure. So you can drive uh, just uh, 20 kilometers. I don't know how much is it in miles. Imagine, That's good. Uh, we, 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 can do, we can do kilometers. That's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you, can, you can drive uh, 40 minutes uh, and uh, the landscape change uh, dramatically. And uh, you are a totally different... Uh, you know, habitats and ecosystem. So, tell me about some of these uh, national uh, refuges. Uh, what are uh, what are some of the more well known ones or the birdier ones? Um, the biggest uh, uh, and wildest national parks are in the mountain area. So, in the Alps, in the Dolomites, uh, all along the Apennines, which is the the spine of Italy. You know, the mountain mm -hmm. chain which runs right. from. Uh, Liguria, Genova to Sicily. And then there are other national parks uh, in hilly areas or along the coast. And uh, but um, what is particular about our parks and national reserves differently from the US, North America, mm -hmm. or Africa, for example, or South America, is that uh, we don't protect uh, only wild uh, places. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't protect only uh, the real wilderness. We protect even uh, the history, the culture, the tradition, uh, a very uh, deep relationship between human history and landscape and, and uh, biodiversity. So most of the um, habitats, most of the ecosystem, which are protected inside our parks and, uh, and mm -hmm. refuges and natural reserves, are mm, exist they exist thanks to the work of humankind starting from uh, you know uh, eight, uh, the eighth century before Christ when wow. the first civilization started to to develop in Italy because from that period uh, the humankind started to work to live in the boot so they started to transform the original forest, the original virgin forest in, in fields, pastures, and open spaces. So all the country, even in the most beautiful area where usually tourists go, um, you know, is a product of this ancient relationship with the human needs and 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 nature. Okay, so a lot. So I hear that a lot of your preserves uh, have been used by humans over the years and are not necessarily just a wild forest or something like you think a Yellowstone National Park here is a no. vast, untouched no. forest. They're no. not like no. that. No. They're more no. uh, places that have been set aside after they'd been used in other by humans for other purposes. 
Yeah, yeah, this is typical for in entire Europe. You can find the track of the human activities from the the beaches to the Mont Blanc, you know, <laughs> to the highest highest uh, mountains because the here uh, human and the humans uh, has been everywhere. So you you have a a, bird, a birding and natural things uh, tour company. How did you get into birding? How tell me your birding story? How did you get started in birding, and how how did you uh, evolve? Since uh, I was a kid, I always been interested in nature, and uh, my parents were natural lovers. Uh, they were very strange, very naive, <laughs> considering that it was uh, you know the the end of the sixties. And uh, so they were hikers, probably one of the first hikers uh, in Tuscany, in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, say they, since I was four, they started to me to to took me in the wild mm-hmm. <laughs> to go hiking. Uh, and uh, and then so and then when I was fourteen, uh, the the association called uh, Lipu, which is the acronym, so uh, the translation is. Uh, the Italian protection, Italian League for Protection of Birds, so a sort mm-hmm. of uh, you know Italian Audubon Society. Right. They organized a a, a, um, a birding course in my town, Arezzo, and I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. So and I have never before that period I didn't know what uh, birding was. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I decided to participate and discovered this new new dimension: the birds and, and bird watching. Very cool. So you uh, got started in your teens and been at it ever since. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so if I wanted to go to Italy and uh, use your company as to get a to get a guide to take me birding, how, how what would that process be like? How, you know, where are you located? How, you know, do you go all over the country, I, just parts I, uh, of the country? I, me and my colleagues, because we are a team of four okay. or five. Okay. Are all based in Tuscany and Umbria. And uh, but on request, uh, we can go everywhere in Italy from the Alps to Sicily, passing from Sardinia, Puglia. Of course, uh, you know, it depends uh, how long a trip uh, has to be one day, two days, one week. uh, So, according to the needs of the guests, uh, where they are, where what they will see, what they would experience, we can arrange a, a you know, tailored trip. So what uh what would a typical what are the better times to bird there? I'm assuming it's migration, you know, spring and fall is kind of almost uh, everywhere is the best time. It's uh, it depends on what you can see and which kind of habitats and landscape you, you would discover and scout and enjoy. Uh, the period between uh, the beginning of May till uh, the end of June is the period where you can go everywhere. Every kind of habitat, so from the coastline to the top of the Alps and up in Nines, you can see birds because the birds are nesting. As you know, they migrate from Africa mm-hmm. and they, they, they occupy every, every corner, every possible habitat or ecosystem. And, and instead, of course, in winter, you, can, you cannot go to the highest mountain unless... Sure. Uh, you cannot see you, can, you don't want to you want to see a specific uh, birds but uh, it's not the best moment to go board in the mountains and uh, in winter usually uh, you have to go in the plains in the hills in the wetlands mm-hmm. there is uh, a, um, a gap uh, 
in uh, in uh, in the season in, in the year between uh, August and October, where it seems that there are no birds in Italy. <laughs> this is a problem. This is one of the reason uh, why you know the stereotype that there there are not birds in Italy came out because. Um, Many people, especially Americans, come to spend vacation in that this period, and mm-hmm. they go right in the in the habitats where the birds are not. So the the countryside, the famous Toscan countryside, and mm-hmm. the towns, right. And in that period, there are there are no birds. I mean, the birds in that period migrate through the boot, so they are spread out. They don't concentrate in specific place and specific spot. So it's very hard to find um, that So if I want to go birding in Italy, come sometime other than between August and October. <laughs> yeah. No, in that period, you can you, you can go in the wetlands. In the wetlands, uh, you have fun because uh, the many, spe- many species of uh, water birds stop in our, in our wetlands, lagoon, marshes, lakes. Right. You can see many species. But for passerins, the little guys, uh, not the time to be. So you had mentioned that uh, a trip could be anywhere from a day trip to maybe a week trip or a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, give me a couple of examples of uh, a trip. Say, if, I, if I'm if i coming and I'm, let's say, you know, most of the people I know go to Rome and then they yeah. go to Tuscany or they go to Rome, yeah. and they go to Florence or they go to Rome yeah. and they go to Venice and they go to Rome yeah. or and one or yeah. two other places. <laughs> uh, how how would I what would be a best way to fit a trip into something like that? Where where would it, where would be a good say, say, I'm going to go for a week and I can break away for two days from my family. They'll let me go for two days. I've got two yeah. days to go this, birding. This is one of the most frequent cases. People which, uh, you know, who get bored of uh, art, uh, history, uh, towns, and they need uh, to, they need, uh, you know, to, to, to take a break from catch. Uh, it depends. If you, um, we are, uh, we are uh, lucky in Italy because uh, just outside the main towns like Roma, Florence, uh, Siena, uh, Venice, uh, you, you find a good spot to for the birds. Okay. You just to drive or take a train, and in forty minutes you are right in the in the special spots where you can nice. you can have fun. So usually the people meet me in the accommodation they where they are spending vacation. Or mm-hmm. I ask them to take a train from Rome, Florence, uh, and meet me somewhere, because we have the quite. Uh, we can we have a good train system in Italy, so it's easy mm-hmm. for me for the guest to to you know, to organize a, a meeting in somewhere. That's my recollection. When I've only been to Italy once, and I was in Rome, and uh, I was going to rent a car, and we we're going to go up to Umbria. But uh, I didn't want to drive out of Rome. So I got on a train and went north for quite a ways and then got off and rented a car and drove around. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, very easy. So uh, what uh, you know, what sort of uh, list could somebody expect? What sort of birds can somebody expect to see in, say, a couple of days uh, other than between August and, <laughs> and October <laughs> in the better birding times of year uh, going out with you? What would what would be some target sorts of birds, some, some you yeah. know? Some very appealing species for the American birds, like, for example, the whoopo, 
no? The Roller, mm -hmm. the Woodpeckers, are quite easy to find because they, they are species related to the typical rural landscape mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the kind of landscape habitats which, are, which they prefer cover all a big part of Italy. So going from Rome to Florence or Bologna, wherever you go, you can find these species. Mm -hmm. So they are quite, even for example, the, the beetle, the European beetle. So right. most of uh, the, the color of the species uh, which make America excited are quite easy to, to find the spot. Some and of those then, birds of course, are pretty you beautiful. You can find uh, um, other, you know, most uh, challenging uh, species like uh, the Lanier falcon or owls uh, or even even Audenese gouts uh, in the in the Toscan archipelagos. So if you are lucky, you 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 can you can have a very great experiences. Very nice, very nice. So it sounds like uh, if I come to Italy again, and I'm hoping that I will, you never know, uh, mm -hmm. I will have a good resource with somebody to reach out and get out birding with. I have to say, I uh, w when I first started traveling internationally as a birder, and I haven't traveled extensively, I thought, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I always I don't use a bird in the U a guide in the U.S. I, I can do this. I can find my way around, and and you can. But boy, having a local guide just adds so much to the experience. You know, you learn culture, you learn the obviously you find way more birds it, it's yeah. a great experience in my, for me uh i have yeah. to say yeah. i've 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 come around to using local guides uh, because it's uh, important to say that uh, um, a boarding trip in italy even if uh, for one day is not just looking for birds enjoy the beautiful landscape and uh, habitats and ecosystem even uh, you know um uh, dis um, discover uh, the culture, the food, the wine, the history. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, wherever you go, even if you just look for birds, mm -hmm. uh, you, you cannot miss something important, uh, historically talking or archaeologically talking. So even if you, even if you are not interested in history, you... <laughs> You have to to stand, you know. The yeah, it's hard hard to avoid. Hard to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in the U.S., uh, we feel like you know if 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 uh, something, you know, I'm going to phrase this correctly. The civilization has existed in the, in the Americas for many millennia, uh, hmm. but Euro Euro European settler history has been uh, obviously only a few hundred years. And so, you know, coming across things that are 800 or 1,000 years old just seems like awe-inspiring uh, <laughs> that they're still standing and still, uh, you know, people still somebody's home. They're still living yeah, in these places. Yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah, of crazy. Yeah, yeah, built built yeah. to last, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take this from a different perspective. Let's say I wanted to go birding in Italy. I want to say I want to make Italy a destination for birding. I'm going to spend mm. a week there. What would a week of birding in Italy, at what time of year should I come? And what would a week of birding in Italy look like? As I said before, if you want to uh, scout as much different kind of habitat as possible, you have yes. to come between the end of April till June. Okay. Spring migration. Even July can, can be quite good, but it can be quite hot. But, you know, hot and humid. 
Yeah. And um, so between the end of April till uh, the middle of June, that's the, that's the best period. Absolutely. Sure. And uh, if you have a week uh, and you don't have a, pro a problem to, to move uh, mm -hmm. from one place, one region to the other, mm -hmm. you can really scout uh, a big range of habitats. From the mountain pasture, uh, from mm -hmm. the mountain peaks uh, till uh, the, the rolling hills of Tuscany till uh, the coastline, uh, and then you can even include uh, the islands and then the river, the lagoons, marshes, uh, every kind of uh, habitat. So what would be some of the more exciting birds for an, uh, a U.S. birder, maybe on their you know, maybe not their first trip to Europe, but somebody who hasn't seen all of the common or reg regularly occurring birds of Europe, what would be some of the, the hot birds that we'd find on your trip? If you go in the, I guess, the, in, the, in the, if you take a look to the cliff of Appenine or the Alps, and you are lucky, you can see, for example, the wall creeper and yeah. or the Lammergeier. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, passing through, I don't know, the, the countryside um, of Troscany, you can see very special kind of area, like uh, Montagu's area, for example, mm -hmm. which is still uh, common, quite common in Italy, but not so common in Northern Europe anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and then if you take, uh, for example, uh, a ferry boat, uh, which links uh, the Toscan coast with the islands or uh, Toscan archipelago, you can see the Audinis Gal, for example. So Italy hosts uh, very, very interesting uh, pieces. And you, uh, nobody knows abroad. You know? <laughs> yeah, very nice. Uh, I have to say, I haven't done a lot of birding in Europe. Most of the European birds I saw uh, were on a trip to Africa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I think I've seen, yeah, more. I, I had done limited birding. I'd been to France and I'd been to England. Done just uh. you know backyard birding, a little bit of stuff when I was doing other stuff. Hadn't really been birding, and maybe had seventy or eighty European species, something like that. And uh, and we uh, uh, we took a trip to Morocco uh, mm. and. I think I I think there were just a very few of the European birds that I had seen that I didn't see in uh, an April trip to Morocco. The, almost all of them were migrating through and much yeah, easier yeah. to much easier to find. <laughs> because you know that we as a European uh, share millions of birds with the Afri with with Africa. <laughs> they sure. come and go. Yeah. Anyway, the... talking about uh, you know uh, very appealing birds. Eh? And mm -hmm. especially the big ones. Eh? Nobody knows that in Italy there are uh, some, uh, uh, most of uh, the biggest um, colonies of uh, flamingos. Oh. Yeah, in, in uh, our lagoons, especially the ones on the coast. Eh? Mm -hmm. For example, uh, Venice Lagoon, uh, the, po the Po Delta, or the lagoons in the Toscan coast, uh, you can see thousands of flamingos. Wow. They breed there or? Yes, 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 yes. Very nice. And you have, uh, which flamingo do you have? The greater flamingo. Great, greater flamingo. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
Very nice. Flamingos, it's hard. Yeah, any day you see flamingos is a good day. It's uh, yeah. hard to beat that. <laughs> hard to beat that. The, the uh, you know, river of pink is very nice. Uh, yeah. Very nice. So uh, I, I'm going to wrap up, Marco. How would uh, somebody get a hold of you? Do you have a website or use Facebook? How does how does a birder reach out to Marco Valtriani and your company to get a get a guide to go birding? I, I, my website is birdinginitaly.com. Not Very hard to remember to... that, birdinginitaly.com. Yeah. That, that works. And then I am in Facebook on Instagram, like Birding in Italy or Marco Valtriani. You can easily find me in the social. Perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure I put links to people uh, in the podcast notes and in the blog post I put up associated with this episode so that uh, any bird going to Italy who wants some help can reach out and think. I did, there was one, before I forget, there's one other thing that we had we had talked about briefly in our email conversations. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Italy and Southern Europe have this, you know, uh, terrible reputation for uh, trapping and <laughs> killing birds uh, yeah, and you, you had mentioned that that's uh that's just not such an issue anymore um when i start when i discovered uh, bird watching uh, going around uh, with a, 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 a minus on the neck uh, was mm -hmm. could be dangerous hmm? mm. i talk about the beginning of 90s um and because uh, you know uh, there was uh, not so much uh, respect not only in italy but in general in the southern uh, european countries uh, for you for nature birds and wildlife uh, in general i have i have I, I have to admit the fact that there were Many people who just uh, shot the animal, especially the birds, even if uh, the ones which were protected, because there were not so much control. And then even the, the, the public uh, opinion um, didn't care so much about uh, conservation of natural wildlife. Then from the middle of 90s, everything changed. And uh, even because, especially because uh, we entered in the European Union, and this fact, uh, you know, helped a lot, because uh, we had to introduce uh, new rules, new laws, uh, rules, uh, regulation. We established uh, a lot of new national parks, regional parks, uh, refuges, and so on. And you know, so even the mentality of people changed. So now the situation is totally different compared to the past. There are still, uh, I forgive me if I use this term, idiots, <laughs> who still uh, like uh, to trap the birds in a very, very few part spots of Italy, but because they, are, they, don't, they don't want to give up, I mean, uh, this is this ancient uh, uh, tradition, habits, not only in Italy, but all the European, Southern European countries, to trap and eat birds. But uh, now you can be incriminated. You can be, you can be, you know, arrested. And uh, you risk, uh, you risk, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, risk a lot, you risk a lot 
But sure. there are still people who don't who want to give up. But they are very few. And they're uh, probably dying out. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's not anymore a big issue in Italy. Well, that's good to hear. Well, anyway, Marco, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. I'm ho- looking forward to my next trip to Italy. And uh, uh-huh. I'll make sure that any listeners uh, know how to get a hold of you. You take care. Bye-bye. Ciao. 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 Well, that wraps up this episode of the Bird Banner Podcast with Marco Valtriani. Thanks for listening. As promised, I'm recording this outro just after the Christmas bird count yesterday. Uh, and we had a really nice day. Uh, Wayne and Margie Sledek led the count, and I was my job was mostly to eBird. Took a little pressure off them of kind of keeping the numbers track of it. And with eBird these days, the trip report feature just makes it so easy to keep track of all the birds in a bird count. So we had a great day. It was sunny and relatively warm. Duck numbers were down on on all of the freshwater lakes, almost all of them. But we had a great day. Got a Hutton's Vireo that Margie found for us. And we got some bantail pigeons, which are unusual this time of year. They mostly leave this area for the winter. So we had a great day and another bird count under our belts. Hopefully you've had a chance to get out and do a bird count near where you are. So thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day.